Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Thursday, September 29th. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, the makers of Lecvio and Clizerin. It's Stat Nerd Thursday, baby, which means Dalton Del Don is here and you, the people, the listener, are about to learn a lot. Dalton, what's going on, buddy? Not much, Harmon. I'm excited to get to, to a couple pods with you this week. Um, football's know. finally getting some some samples, uh, some some data we can use here. So let's let's talk some um, some nerd stat stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Dalton is going to be on the preview show this week, which means a lot of Matt and Dalton, which is uh, you know good for everybody out there, especially good for me. I, I love uh, podcasts with Dalton because he always challenges the way I think about things, which is great. And we should hopefully do the same for you. And you should, frankly, do the same for us, the listeners out there. You should uh, call us on stuff that we you think we're wrong about, and you know we'll see what's right. That's what the beauty of sports is, man. And yeah, the sample size now is great. Right around like week three and four is when you have to start like making these definitive um, conclusions on, okay, what we've seen through the first three weeks, is that like the new reality? Our projections were wrong in the offseason or like is this just a mirage? You know, for example, Dalton, now I'm just getting us off track, but for example, like I think something like Jalen Hurts, like in the first three weeks, like he's been so awesome. That's a new reality. Like I think Jalen Hurts, this new version of him, that's here to stay. So like that's just a, a really concrete example of you see something in the first three weeks sometimes you just accept it other times you have to challenge uh, what you've seen and, and maybe it looks different the rest of the way totally and it's still possible that schedule has been highly favorable over the, such a small sample as well which is skewing the stats but yeah absolutely let's try to let's try to decipher what's the noise and what's uh what's now real yeah, especially with defensive matchups, we start we start to learn like who's actually a good defense, and who's a bad defense. We'll be talking about that a lot in our stat section today. But first, we do have to catch up on some news. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the week with Andy Barons, but Jets head coach Robert Sala said that Zach Wilson has been medically cleared to play and he will start week four against the Steelers, Dalton. Um it, it's kind of like enough already with the Joe Flacco thing, right? You know, I mean, we, we've seen, he leads the damn NFL in past attempts. That shouldn't really be happening. Um, I'm curious. A lot of kind of rides on Zach Wilson, right? Because we know that Garrett Wilson is really, really good. We still all believe that Elijah Moore is really, really good, or at least we should, even if Garrett Wilson might be the better player. Um, so there's a lot riding on on Zach Wilson being a functional NFL quarterback because at times last year he did not look like a functional NFL quarterback. Um, and also I just I'm really curious to see what this passing offense looks like under Zach Wilson compared to Joe Flacco because when you watch these guys on film, the the receivers, Dalton, they run just deep routes, deep routes, deep routes. There's not um, you know, even like Garrett Wilson's layup targets aren't necessarily just little pop gun targets. They just scheme him really well against zone coverage and stuff like that. So if Zach Wilson is good, these guys, these Jets receivers are going to reach even for Garrett Wilson, new heights. And I think for Elijah Moore is finally going to get on track kind of this year. 
Man, I love the skill position players here. Elijah Moore was commanding targets over DK Metcalf as a teenager in college. And now Garrett Wilson is commanding targets over him. I the 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 most targets to a rookie receiver for the first over the first three weeks of an NFL season, the last 15 years. It's Alave one and Garrett Wilson two. Uh Brees Hall and Michael Carter, the running backs on the Jets, they're both up there in the leaderboards on avoided tackle rate. Uh, Brees Hall is also up there in explosive rush rate. I mean, these are really exciting young players. Um, also, by the way, their cornerbacks were by far last week against elite Bengal receivers finished first and perfectly covered rate. I mean, mm. this is a real interesting young team. Yeah, Sauce Gardner appears to be the real deal with yeah, the other he's, Michael. He's, he's good. With the other Michael Carter and DJ Reed Jr. looks really interesting uh, secondary. So, man, if Zach Wilson is the real deal, it's easy to just say, yeah, this team has a lot of interesting players. But looking over it, they have like really interesting skill position players, like like crazy interesting. So if the quarterback position which is just happens to be the most important one. Uh, man, if, if Zach Wilson could be anything even approaching league average this year, it would be great for fantasy managers. But yeah, huge unknown. I mean, yeah, as you said, I've been leading the league in, in passes Joe Flacco so far. That's crazy. But yeah, with these skill position players and even the defense, the Jets look like one of the most interesting young teams in all of football. Tyler Conklin is the tight end four Three. in fantasy, yeah. which I, I, depend, yeah, depending on like your scoring system or whatever. But crazy, um, he has twenty four targets, which is you know only behind Mark Andrews, uh, Mandrews, uh, as as we're just gonna call him going forward with thirty one. Zach Ertz has twenty five, which is you know kind of hilarious. And there's a big bunch of guys that are tied with twenty four. Travis Kelsey um, has twenty four. Tyler Conklin, like I mentioned, Tyler Higby. I mean those that those are hilarious targets, but uh, they are targets <laughs> nonetheless. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's guys here. We haven't even said their name, Corey Davis. I feel like Corey Davis, he should just be traded to the. Could we just trade Corey Davis to the Packers? Like, because Corey Davis is not a bad NFL player. Can he be like? Can he go back to the Titans, something like that? Like, there's so many receiver rooms that need rescued, and I just kind of feel like the Jets are good because they have Corey Davis and stuff like that. But my God, it would really clear things up from a fantasy angle. But yeah, no, I, I want to hold out hope for Zach Wilson just because there are so many good players here and you know we'll see it, it just really is a we'll see at this point it I just don't think I, I'm kind of selling the narrative that like Joe Flacco is actually good for these guys or whatever like I, I think that Zach Wilson can do whatever Joe Flacco has been doing to the first three weeks is, is pretty much where I'm at another quarterback piece of news here Saints head coach Dennis Allen said quote he doesn't think Jameis Winston will miss week four. We know that Jameis Winston's got a bad back and ain't nobody used to have a bad back. Um, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas also missed practice on Wednesday. Um, Traquan Smith was even kind of in and out of practice on Wednesday. I mean, Dalton, I'm already ready to say it. Like Chris Olave is the, is the best, definitely the, I think he's the best wide receiver on this team right now from a real life standpoint, I think he's going to be the best fantasy receiver on this team the rest of the way. Shoot. If things all turn around with Alvin Kamara, he might just be the best fantasy player on this team. I know that like his vertical skill set, Chris Olave like fits really well with Jameis Winston and look, Jameis Winston is just going to throw those prayer balls up every single week, all down the field. But I mean, even with Andy Dalton back there, I, I think Chris Olave could still be really good. Cause he's a great like full field route runner. It looks like the real deal. I already mentioned the target stat, but he has a more than 150 more air yards than the next most in the NFL it's to open insane. the season. I mean, Mark Andrew, Mandrews, as you said, number two, a tight end. You got to love love that. But, <laughs> that, that, uh, that is wild. Totally wild. And if you look at the air yardage uh, leaders through three weeks over the past uh, 10 years, their fantasy finish is typically like top five. <laughs> I mean, so I don't think Alave is going to reach that because of the quarterback situation and the target competition. But I mean, Michael Thomas, who knows? He could, I mean, going to be perpetually banged up. Um, yeah, the Andy Dalton is a real variable for for the rookie wideout, but I still ranked Olave as my wide receiver 23 this week, and I was kind of closer to moving him up even higher than I am lower because th that air yardage numbers, I mean, some of them's prairie yards and whatnot, but it's undeniable how much how they're treating him and the targets. Usually big, big production follows. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely in on him. Yeah, I think he's like a must start this week, especially with the Vikings secondary. We'll talk about later. It's been a little leaky. Um, this is, you know, probably coach speak type of stuff, but wanted to at least get your thoughts on the Ravens running backs because, you know, Lamar Jackson is just on like an insane tear right now. He's breaking fantasy. He's like one of the best two or three players in the NFL period so far this year. I'm pretty sure he's accounted for 100% of the team's touchdowns so far this year um, from an offensive standpoint because, you know, this, this running back group is not 
like not great. And that's what kind of brings me to this note here. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said Justice Hill in week three ran like, quote, a star running back. Um, We know J.K. Dobbins is back. I remain a little skeptical that J.K. Dobbins is ever just going to dominate this backfield because, number one, he never dominated the backfield even when he was healthy. Like, they always got somebody else involved. And I think he could run circles around, like, damn Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis and these dusty veterans. But, you know, Justice Hill's always been a guy that's had some pop. He's had serious injuries in the past, but he's like a a fast player, right? An athletic player. He just hasn't quite put it together yet. But I I just found this quote to be interesting because – Justice Hill is pretty far off the radar, but the Ravens are clearly going to try to fix their running game, even if they struggle to ever get it done. You mocked me when I brought up Justice Hill about a month ago. I did. Um, <laughs> I did. I, I, I will cop to that, Dalton. Another reason why I wanted to put this on the outline, because I wanted you to to flame me back. Uh, I appreciate that, Harmon. Uh, that said, I'm still not <laughs> trusting either. Any any Ravens running back in my fantasy lineup now. So last week, got, Dobbins got the start during his uh, season debut, and he got six of the team's seven running back touches. And then it was all uh, Justice Hill pretty much in the second half. So I don't know if he had a setback or whatever. His first game in a while coming off that big injury. But, you know, I mean, we're talking six carries and seven carries and a total of two targets last week. So, yes, this week it should be a ton of points scored against the Bills. But unless one of these guys emerges, um, to me, it's a stay away. But, sure, Justice Hill now becomes a guy you need to stash on your bench. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Dobbins and Hill right now, are, it looks like to be in a pretty evenly uh, split backfield there in Baltimore. And, they, again, it's a backfield that has one of the best rushing quarterbacks who doesn't throw ever to his running back. So that that's the problem there. Yeah, that is the big problem because they kind of use Justice Hill as their third down back in that game. Like he was on the field for 14 passing snaps. J.K. Dobbins is on the field for 17 passing snaps. But I just think at this point, the Ravens are a pass first team. They're a much better passing team than a running team. So they're trying to figure this this rush attack out. And while they do try to figure it out, I don't know. Maybe we end up seeing, you know, it's 10 yards per carry for Justice Hill in week three, 3.9, uh, 3.3 uh, yards per carry for J.K. Dobbins in, in week one, just his for Earth week three. It's his first game back. We know the deal there. So Justice Hill, just a guy to keep on the radar, certainly like in deeper leagues and stuff like that. We might end up getting some relevant weeks out of Justice Hill. Um, last thing here, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports Keenan Allen is expected to practice this week. You know, Obviously, we talked a lot of Chargers with uh, Austin Eckler in the most recent uh, episode of Eckler's Edge, most recent episode of the podcast before this one. The, the Chargers just need Keenan Allen so bad. Like, I don't know if... um. I don't know if like people would be willing to trade him away, but I, I kind of feel like Keenan Allen's just going to eat a ton, a ton of volume when he gets back. Because with the injuries on the offensive line, I mean, this team went into the year with a battle between Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins at right tackle. And now they're going to have to probably start both of these guys and they probably didn't want to start either one of them necessarily at right tackle. Pass protection is going to be an issue all year. You know, I read the stat off, I think, with Andy on on the, the Tuesday podcast that, you know, Justin Herbert has like the eighth longest time to throw, but is still like 28th or 26th or something in air yards. Like that's going to continue. That's going to lead to a lot of Keenan Allen targets. Yeah, what a snake-bitten franchise. More and more injuries. Uh, Man, Corey Lindsley hurt, too, at center. Obviously, the left tackle situation. Yeah, with the way they've been using Austin Eckler, I I cannot disagree with you that Allen was looking at a million targets if and when he can return healthy. Hopefully, he's fully recovered, and that's not a recurring theme. Um, Obviously, we're all concerned with Herbert's health. Just wild that they kept him in the game last week, down big, with those injuries to the offensive line against one of the best defenses in football, Jacksonville. Um, I'm super glad I got off them in my big survivor pool. That was uh, ugly stuff there. It's it's weird what's going on in, in L.A. Um, something Something's not right there. But fantasy managers certainly hope that Keenan Allen returns because Mike Williams had the one big game, but it's a totally different player. Josh Palmer, you know, I'm happy. To, I, I mean, I was... I would have been I grabbed him in a lot of eighth and ninth fantasy rounds and without Keenan Allen, you know, he put up some catches last week. But I know, as you pointed out, he just might not be it, you know, and I don't think he really has a ton of upside. And I would probably have passed if I had to do that over again. But um, yeah, hopefully for this uh, this offense and all fantasy managers, Keenan Allen can return and, and be 100 percent. It is hilarious that, you know, obviously we just talked with Austin about all the 
issues with his fantasy season, stuff like that. And he's still like lapping the field in terms of like receiving work at the running back position. He's like first by a lot in catches, first by a lot in yards among running backs. And like he's still the running back 20 overall in half PPR scoring. And, he, <laughs> and he's done like nothing on the ground. He scored no touchdowns. So you're right, that passing equity and like that should probably continue for him. And I think for Keenan Allen, when he gets back in there. I, I'm just a little like, I think the gap between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is going to is gonna actually be more stretched than I thought it would be this year. I, I don't know if it's worth pointing out, but a vast majority of that Eckler receiving production has happened in the fourth quarters. It ha- yes, too. it has. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of questionable things going on in that uh, L.A. Uh, coaching staff right now, but uh, we'll save that for another time. Let's get into our stats here. Like we said, this is right around the time when you know sample sizes start to normalize for these teams and and everything like we start to really get an idea of who teams are going to be so i thought this would be a good time to not just check in on individual players but also check in on teams overall you know the way they're calling plays the way matchups are going to look for the rest of the year let's start with some teams that i picked out that are have a really weird or interesting pace of play and i just want to start with this one because it's hilarious. Dalton, the Carolina Panthers rank first in neutral situation pace of play, which, by the way, neutral situation as defined by football outsiders, it's it's based on the score, right? So we're not talking about like when they're trailing or when they're so far ahead, they're just running the ball, which the Panthers have never been so far ahead this year. But you get the point. First in neutral situation pace of play, 31st in plays run. Man, this team is running real fast to get off the field. Yeah, absolutely. Going nowhere. Just that, that is a wild stat. Uh, man, it looks like I was wrong on DJ Moore. I know the target rate has been there, but it's been inaccurate. Again, dealing with the same quarterback inaccuracy issues. Certainly not. Certainly someone I think would be still fantasy usable moving forward. But uh, I certainly rate ranked him too high. And it's been a, a disappointment to say the least. And uh, hopefully it's nowhere to go but up from here. But man, it's been ugly. And Mayfield, uh, the excuses are over, man. He's just been totally inaccurate. And obviously the coaching situation there in offensive line isn't great but um yeah i mean it's it's i you love maybe you could squint and say this is great if they increase their efficiency uh the plays are going to go way up with their with their pace so yeah i mean that's, you'd, you'd like to see them running a fast pace more than a slow pace but boy the uh the production and the efficiency has been a nightmare somebody uh when i tweeted that stat out this morning compared it to like the chip kelly eagles teams that they ran really fast you know they'd have those stupid clock graphics uh when chip kelly got to the nfl um on like every broadcast or whatever and then they'd just be going three and out three and out three and out three and out that's kind of where the panthers are right now and yeah dj moore it's brutal right um i think he's gonna go down as Right now, he certainly looks like the biggest miss at the wide receiver position. And I, I was in on DJ Moore slightly ahead of consensus this year, too. Um, I know you were really high on DJ Moore as well. We all were. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, I don't know, Dalton, I, I think it's, there's a couple of different things here. Part of it's a DJ Moore thing. I don't know if you want to, like, unpack that a little bit. But also, I think most of it is just the quarterback part of it, that Baker Mayfield is is probably a better quarterback than Sam Darnold but it's just it's a mistake I think that I know I make all the time which and I have even said it about DJ Moore this year and Terry McLaurin although that's worked out okay that I I hate to like say through gritted teeth you know like I did with Allen Robinson for all those years like Nick Foles hey he's better than Mitch Trubisky or you know Andy Dalton well he's better than Nick Foles it's like well these guys all still stink and Baker Mayfield still has serious serious flaws as a player you know i was talking to my my buddy eric stoner recently um you know football twitter's finest eric stoner for for many many years um and he made the point like you know baker mayfield's college story is cute but he's still a two-time walk-on like he's not and he still plays like he's kyler murray or he tries to play like he's kyler murray and he's, and he's not kyler murray so i'm very concerned about dj Moore. the only positive is he gets the cardinals this week i kind of feel like it's it's in it's a little bit like do or die time with dj Moore. if like cardinals we're going to talk about them later they're they rank dead last in passing success rate allowed this is a prove it week i think for dj Moore. And when ranking DJ Moore aggressively, I just underrated a ver- an unknown variable of a new quarterback. You know, uh, first, yes. yes, you have to assess, is he better or worse than the previous one? But also, you're trying to predict what rapport they'll have. Maybe Mayfield will prefer Robbie Anderson. Maybe Visca Chenault will be catching 80-yard touchdowns. I mean, you never know. So, I mean, that is yeah. another variable in which I uh, stupidly ignored, basically. So, I mean, I think Moore should be fine moving forward. And um, I liked him more in PPR formats uh to be fair but 
Ah, man. I mean, yeah, the touchdowns. I mean, this offense is good. Yeah, that's always a problem with him. Not just the usage in the red zone, but how, you know, how bad is the offense going to be? So more of the same there. There's no, no, no upside that we had hoped for. Um, But yeah, just brutal. And now can CMC turn it around and be a top three guy moving forward? What are your thoughts there? I think, I think CMC will be fine. Um, I mean, it's just going to be a touchdown production problem. Like if they can't mount drives, he's not going to score like 15 touchdowns or something like that. He's not even going to get close. He might have like a floor. And I think he probably has a floor of, you know, eight or something like that. But he might end up being, you know, the RB5 or something. Listen, if you draft the CMC, I, I don't think you can complain too much about how things have gone so far. Um, he's not had like number one overall game changing um, fantasy. See, it's just crazy that May- this offense is this bad with Mayfield. Um, you know, just to bring it back to one DJ Moore point, then I'm, I'm pissed at myself. You know, there's always things in fantasy you wish that you could like, go back and tell yourself three months ago or something like that. One thing I, I always remember, um, you know, I, I think DJ Moore is at his best running like slant routes and dig routes over the middle of the field. Like, and I wish they'd actually get him more opportunities to do stuff like that. And, you know, I thought stylistically DJ Moore type of receiver fits better with the Baker Mayfield than an Odell Beckham type. But then I also remember something I said, you know, years ago with Baker Mayfield and Odell in Cleveland, like, you look at Odell's like route charts with the Freddie Kitchens, Cleveland Browns, which what a nightmare that was. But the Freddie Kitchens, Cleveland Browns and all those like slant routes that Odell Beckham was getting in like Ben McAdoo's offense, those had like evaporated. You know, he had like those huge plays on slant routes and stuff like that. And Ben McAdoo's New York Giants offense, Odell Beckham, then he goes to Cleveland. Those get erased because Baker Mayfield can't see over the middle of the field because he's too short and he's not he's not anticipatory enough. And now it's like we're. Now we're dealing with the same problem that even if they have DJ Moore running those slant routes, like Mayfield just bails out of the pocket, goes right, and tries to do playmaker stuff when he's not a playmaker. It's killing me, man, that I didn't think about this more. I wish I had reminded myself, too. I remember hearing stats that Mayfield benefited, his YPA really benefited from screens like crazy in Cleveland. Yeah. I know he benefited from play action a lot, but yeah, there's some ugly, uh, I saw some yes. footage uh, footage on Twitter yesterday about Mayfield just totally missing uh, more over the middle on exactly what you're saying. Just totally inaccurate. He had him beat, and it was just a flat-out bad throw. But you, you said it, but I will reiterate, uh, this week week uh, they are facing the Cardinals team allowing the most EPA per pass play in the NFL so hopefully they can uh, turn it around a little here but yeah it's not a good it's not a good it's not an ideal fit clearly yeah and um, what's the one thing I've complained about with DJ Moore in this version of the Panthers offense not the great Scott Turner's uh, Panthers offense from a few years ago with Matt rule. They never do any sort of like design touches screens, anything like that with DJ Moore. but he, and he'd be so great at it, but God, I mean, Matt rule, just what a, what a donkey anyways. Um, oh, well, I want to circle back on this before you move on to the next stat. Are we worried about the chiefs here? Speaking of e- the, the Cardinals, well, having was the, worst, our, yeah. e- the worst, sorry, but sorry, I'm thinking of going to the next one, but I just want to make sure here because speaking of bad EPA per play, though, when not facing the Cardinals this year, chiefs haven't been very good. Yeah, so there were. I was going to read off these other pace of play ones and just going to kind of go one by one. Next one, like you mentioned, Chiefs rank 16th in neutral pace of play, 24th in plays run. Um, th- that is not, you know, what we've come to expect out of Kansas City from the last like few years under Patrick Holmes. They would play fast, they'd run a ton of plays. Um, it certainly hasn't been that way. It's a, it's a good point by you that w- they destroyed the Cardinals in Week One, and that's one of those things, like you said. What's the new reality versus what's just like a blip on the radar? Well, I think we know at this point the Cardinals suck, right? Like the Cardinals are a bad football team. They pull out that win against the Raiders, who also stink, and we're going to talk about here in a second. But the thing with Kansas City, man, is they just don't got – they have no juice right now in the passing game. And I, t- I talked about enough already with Joe Flacco, enough already with MVS, right? Like he should be a situational deep threat, and he can make big plays – but he doesn't get open on on like non go routes and corner routes and you know post routes stuff like that. He is so limited and he's he's out there playing on a ton like every single snap, all the routes, stuff like that. And Juju's fine. Juju ripped off a big play against the Colts, but you know Juju's a short to intermediate slot receiver who's a number 2 or a number 3 maybe in your passing game. You know McCole Hardman, I don't think is a, is a is a full-time wide receiver either. And they're not playing Sky Moore at all. And, you know, they said coming into last week, we're going to play Sky Moore more snaps. He played a little bit more, but he also had some special teams miscues, which, by the way, he didn't play special teams in college. So it's very it's weird what's going on with the Sky Moore thing. Um, I'm not panicking about Sky Moore from like a dynasty perspective. You know, the Chiefs brought along Tyree Kill slowly. They brought along McCole Hardman slowly. 
um, you know, as as rookies, stuff like that. So it's not the most concerning. But when I when I look at Kansas City's pass game and I, honestly their run game too, Dalton, like I think people should hold on to Isaiah Pacheco on benches because like Ceh doesn't have any juice. You know, they just other than Patrick Mahomes and and still Travis Kelsey who's an older player, they have nobody that's going to give them a pop on like a route-by-route basis. My wife had the Chiefs in her survivor pool last week, and I had the Colts as my best bet. I I was just laughing, saying, of course this stuff was going to happen. You know, two missed kicks inside 35 yards of their backup kicker. Sky Moore fumbling that punt inside the five-yard line. So total disaster there. You know, a desperate Colts team at home. Um, But, man, we all thought, uh, as far as the fantasy players for the Chiefs, we thought, you know, each wide receiver would take turns, you know, having their big games. But the answer might be none of them. I mean, Juju will be fine in PPR, but you certainly probably don't feel great where you draft drafted him. Kelsey is the looks like he's the clear number two, you know, a gap behind Andrews and then a big gap behind Kelsey after that. CEH, everyone's telling you to, you know, to sell high there, you know, the three touchdowns on 22 yeah, carries. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously I believe in Mahomes. He's going to be fine. This offense will be, it's, again, experience some bad luck and they'll be productive. But I, I thought that there'd be more, at least one of these receivers popping through three weeks and Sky Moore's <laughs> playing time. I mean, yeah, I'm a little surprised that, that, uh, uh, that, that none of the receivers have gotten going. And Kelsey's been good, but he hasn't been like crazy either. So, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely concern here. All these, a lot of quarterbacks are struggling. And it's been, again, attributed to more of this cover too. But I mean, there's a lot of these passing quarterbacks. <laughs> Mahomes is uh, obviously at the big week one, but he's hardly the the only quarterback to be expected, you know, much bigger performances from, you know, Rodgers, Brady, Carr. I mean, the list could go on and on, really. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes is the QB4 right now in fantasy, but it's a pretty from just a points perspective, he's closer to like Carson Wentz at QB five and and two at QB six than he is to yeah. Jalen Hurts at three and Allen at two. Yeah, so, so it's um, big three, yeah. man. Yeah, the big three. It looks like. Yeah, I, I talked about this with 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 Austin yesterday, Dalton. That one of my biggest takeaways from fantasy football in the first three weeks is that like if you didn't draft uh, Jackson, Allen, Hurts, and you know even Mahomes, sort of, you're 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 playing a different sport right now in fantasy football than all those, um, than, than all the rest of the teams. Cause like, and, and it's not even just that they're at a big three, a tier to themselves, those guys. It's that the QBs going after them, you know, Burrow is QB seven, but he has, you know, some spiked weeks in there. Herbert obviously has been hurt. Kyler Murray's been kind of disappointing from a fantasy standpoint. Dak got hurt. Brady, it's been a stone cold disaster because of all the injuries. You know, like I said, the guys behind the big, behind the top four are Wentz and Tua. Trevor Lawrence is like the next guy that seems like he's going to take a leap into that status. But basically, like, this was the year to take a, like a, a mobile quarterback aggressively because those guys are truly breaking the game right now, especially Lamar. Yeah, Stafford and Cousins are two other pocket yes. passers. Disappointing too. No, I mean it's yeah. And totally Trey insane. Lance got hurt. I hate yep. to bring it up, but Trey no, Lance. No, that's was another to be that another guy. got. Yeah, and obviously Garoppolo is a million times you know a downgrade there for fantasy. So absolutely, the guy I keep curiously ranking higher than it, it seems like most who the rushing stats have been there. I know that they don't pass a lot, but it's it's Mariota. I know the turnovers have been there, and people want to uh, to bench him. But um, I don't know playing indoors and he runs and the, I think he's he's a sneaky QB one option while starting man i i'm i'm with you i don't know how long he starts and and i think he's played fine like all things considered 8.1 ypa i mean yeah yeah yeah. and they do they like almost half their dropbacks have been play action this year they're like a full-on play action team and i i said i said this to to robert maisnaz on his podcast this offseason that i felt like the falcons were going to be that like film bro dork team that like every week you know people who just like really like like losers like me who have no life and they're just like watching you know coaches tape all the time being like man i'm telling you what the falcons are doing this is fun what the falcons are doing is is fun even if they don't win a bunch of games and that's kind of how they've been so far and i know like the kyle pitt stuff has been tilting but i think they're using him the right way this year i don't think it's a problem really with his with his usage or deployment it just hasn't quite hit even though last week was pretty good the way they're using Drake London is awesome. The way they're using Marcus Mariota is awesome. CPAT's usage is really nice as well, though I wish he had a bigger receiving role. Uh, the Falcons definitely, if 
it's great too because it's so clear where the ball's going. It's London, it's Pitts. There's probably not enough for both of them to have big monster games, but you can get games like last week where London scores a touchdown and um, Kyle Pitts gets there from a yardage standpoint. Like if you have a tight end and he gets 87 yards, you better not be on Twitter complaining about it because there's a lot of people doing a lot worse. And Mariota's getting there from a fantasy angle too, so I'm with you on that one. Like the Falcons' offense has been a sneaky source of value so far. Yeah, you know, 42% of Drake London's targets have come on play action, sixth highest rate in the league. Um, yeah, I'm in He's on so that rookie too. too. Man, these rookie receivers are are so exciting. Uh, even and, and even the running back, Brees Hall, hopefully he gets uh, more playing time moving forward. The rookies look like uh, there could be some real value in fantasy this year. 100%. Okay, a couple other pace stats before we move on. Um, these were two teams, the Raiders and the Jags, that I actually thought their fantasy projections hinged a lot on how they played from a pace standpoint and the Raiders worst case scenario so far Jaguars best case scenario so far like I thought that I thought all of the Jags were undervalued in fantasy this year because I thought that people forgot like Doug Peterson throws a lot of passes in his offense and 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 plays pretty fast so far they're seventh in neutral situation pace of play and they're ninth in plays run and we know that Christian Kirk has been a slam dunk value Zay Jones, people are talking about him as like a legit option at this point. Evan Ingram's got some decent ancillary usage at tight end. James Robinson's been a huge value. And Trevor Lawrence, we just talked about. So Jags have been a pretty big win so far. And and then the Raiders, though, have been the complete opposite. Like I said with the Raiders, that if Devontae Adams was going to hit his ADP and Waller and Renfro were going to hit their ADP and like Derek Carr was going to have to have those, like he was going to hit those highs that some people imagined for him. Josh McDaniels, you'd have to see the old version of Josh McDaniels offenses with Brady, not sort of like the Mac Jones version. So far, we've kind of got the Mac Jones version, bro. They're 17th in neutral situation pace, 22nd in plays run. And I kind of feel like it's flying under the radar, despite the fact that their record stinks, that this offense has not gone well for fantasy really at all. So funny. After after week one, I was so ready to take the L on ranking Devontae Adams too low. You know, led the league in targets, targets and air yards. And then since then, it's been bad. I mean, even without Renfro last week. So um, I, I guess the answer is somewhere in between, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's been not a great start for McDaniel's. Uh, there in Las Vegas, man, you love Jacksonville defensively. They've been super, super impressive. Like I'm not, I mean, very like a top five unit in the league in EPA per play. Uh, Christian Kirk, how they're using uh, from the slot is just oh, so, so, yeah. so nice. Um, and two, two running backs that, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, both in real life and in fantasy terms, I mean, even Zay Jones, uh, Marvin Jones, if you're like in super deep leagues, they, they, they get targets too. So, and, and one of these weeks they're going to be pushed and need to pass more too. So yeah, you got to like what the Jacksonville's doing, uh, post urban Meyer. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not even like, um, wow, they just got anybody in there and like, they're better off, you know, anybody's better than bourbon Meyer, as you like to call him. Like, it's just that Doug Peterson, I think actually is a really good coach and, Right. Things are f- and well, yeah. is it Doug Peterson? Maybe because I see a lot of people complain about Frank Reich. So was it Peterson? You know, that maybe it's tilted more that way. Thoughts? I think it's a good I think it's a really good question because, yeah, like at the end of um, Doug Peterson's Philly run, it was, oh, well, he was never the same without Frank Reich, stuff like that. Look, it helps to have Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence <laughs> has been really, really good this year. Yeah. And n- again, not just like oh man, he's just great to not have Urban Meyer there. He's just been really good. Um, and, I, and I still think this is basically like Trevor Lawrence's rookie year because he didn't get NFL coaching last year. Um, so that helps Doug Peterson for sure. And obviously Frank Reich has kind of gone through the ringer in terms of the quarterback situation. But I still think Reich's offenses are too conservative. Um, you know, And that was the biggest problem with when they got Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. I, I said, like, you can't put Carson Wentz in a box. I said that to Scott a few weeks ago you have to, you got, you got to like, let him let his hair down and you got to let him play like aggressively, but they never let him do that in India. And the, uh, the results were disastrous and the results are going to be disastrous with Wentz, you know, one way or another at certain times. But I agree with you. I think it's a question worth asking. Like, I think Doug Peterson kind of got a bad rap uh, at different times with the Eagles because from an offensive play calling standpoint and a player usage standpoint, they've pretty much nailed it so far. Yeah, I'm upset I didn't get on them uh, as a long shot to win that. Or they weren't as long shots as Houston, but I, I mean, Jacksonville looks like the clear favorites to me to win to win that that division now. Oh my God, yeah, a clear favorite. They at least have the best uh, momentum going on right now. And yeah, with the Raiders, I just think um, you got to hope things get better with this team. You got to hope that it gels like as time goes on. But 
everybody kind of looks like a fantasy disappointment in, in Las Vegas right now, which is a shame because they do have a lot of talent. All right, Dalton and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more stats before we do our Thursday night preview. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Dalton. This group of running backs has 80-plus percent of their team snaps. They're the only three running backs with 80-plus percent of their team snaps. Saquon Barkley, shout out to Saquon for joining the show yesterday. Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. I really just wanted to put this on here because I wanted to ask you, is Saquon Barkley the best player in fantasy football right now? Is he the should he be the running back one for the rest of the season? I mean, honestly, I'm a tad worried about this offense. It's so bad. They lost yeah. Shepard. I mean, man, it's getting all the workload and he looks so, so good. I could certainly see the argument. I mean, it's a it's he's right there. It's a it looks like a big uh, a big three as far as the running backs. Um, I have Nick Chubb is so good too. I mean, if you don't play in the PPR yeah. league, I mean, he's right there too. Uh, or even if he is, frankly, um, you get Deshaun Watson in the fantasy playoffs too. That offense could be really good. But so he's right there with the rest of them. But I do, I am concerned about about this offense and and the, the line and everything. It's not great. And Daniel Jones, maybe you know, I had I held out hope for Davis Mills and Daniel Jones. Both may just not be it. They don't look very good to open this season. So I have some concerns there. As much as boy, I hope Barkley can stay healthy though, because I could get everything. Else else wrong and he wins a rushing title i'll have a a good uh a sports season but <laughs> but um yeah it's, he is fun to watch he looks so good man he would have taken that 36 yarder on monday night from 86 yards too um yeah he looks awesome but man without shepherd we need tony to get healthy fast Harmon. and how much did that suck met dude the MetLife turf scares me for barkley oh, that, I, as yeah, a niners fan point. you know i i've been that's been on my radar from week to the week two from hell when niners had bosa and solomon thomas go down on back-to-back plays and and then just everyone just says why the owners are should spend a little bit more money for natural ga- grass and they do not do it there and um man shepherd went down with a, a knee injury and he was barely even running that was just sad to see i know he's your guy he was quietly oh, becoming a target hog he was going to easily be new york's number one fantasy receiver this year um so frustrating yeah, yeah, I'm I'm like puking about it still with Sterling Shepard. And, uh, you know, Odo Beckham replied to one of the tweets where of the video of Shepard was like, they need to just get rid of it all together, like the the turf at MetLife and stuff like that. I can't, somebody else that played there recently was talking about how it's like so packed down that, um, yeah, I, it's it's a joke. Like, honestly, we talk about player safety and stuff like that. And they've got them run around these damn toad helmets uh, for training camp, which is good. Like, great. Definitely do that. But um, <laughs> at the same time, like when they're actually playing the real games, maybe go out and like get a good turf. You know, that would be nice. So that guys like Sterling Shepard, he's well, running like 25 percent. Anyways, um, I mean, there are teams that play in a dome that use natural grass. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's like crazy that these 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 teams, uh, everyone, every team should be using natural gas. Totally doable. And uh, yeah. yeah, I hope Saquon stays healthy. He looks great. What about these? Uh, man, Fournette has been frustrating. You use him in DFS. I, 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 I can't recommend him for a third week in a row. But I mean, man, you love the usage. Um, and you have Mike Evans coming back. Hopefully the offense opens up. But all those offensive line injuries, uh, it has not been great uh, for Nett. But not a surprise to see, you know, Brady has his guide. He's just going to be on the field as much as he can. Well, yeah, I think that's one thing that really stands out to me um, is that, you know, he's going to continue to be on the field like there's no question about that. You know, when you look at like adjusted line yards for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're like 18th in the NFL, which I think is a good, um, you know, rank for a good like usage for um, for like run blocking, stuff like that. I, I feel like Fournette's run pretty well this year. Um, their line's just not good. Um and this offense just stinks, man. I mean, they're running out like Cole Beasley and like Russell Gage at maybe 50% health. I don't even know when Julio Jones is going to get back. Like, I don't even know if we can really count on Julio Jones, which what a twist. I don't know if we can really count on Julio Jones as like part of this offense at this point. We have no idea when Chris Godwin's going to get back. So I feel like Lenny is actually kind of a good buy low just because he's playing a ton. I don't really think there's going to be a situation where he loses his role. 
Um, and, and I, I feel like this offense will get better when they get their guys back. You're right, though. It's so team context, too, though. Like, it'd be looked different if he just fell into a couple goal line scores, which he easily could have. You know, like me, I'll go on Fantasy Football Live and diss Derrick Henry, and then he'll get, you know, an easy, oh, you know, no, couple yeah. one yard, one yard touchdown runs right there. The funny thing about hey, Henry hey, is he actually all the targets. I know the targets yes, suddenly, yes. suddenly need to reevaluate absolutely everything with Derrick Henry. That's really funny. It was not just, which I did say he could go off in that matchup, but totally funny. I, I, I would, I would, re, if he's going to be targeted like that, which was, I believe it matches career high, then absolutely I no longer panicking in fact that'd be very interesting to see Derrick Henry unleashed as a as a receiver but pretty funny but my point is Fournette is this I remember saying I remember saying to I remember saying to Derrick Henry a few years ago like you need and you know lol me telling Derrick Henry this but like you need to go to the coaches and tell them to throw you a freaking screen pass every now and again pal because like get what do you want it like the whole point of derrick henry because he's not necessarily like he's not like a nick chubb type of runner like a, just a pure power like runner he's kind of like a straight line guy and he's 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 just like barrels people over and he can embarrass people in the open field get him in the open field and the best way to do that is throw him a, a freaking screen pass a swing pass out of the backfield like it's kind of mind-numbing that they haven't done this more often because, yeah, this especially if their offense is not going to be as good as it used to be and they're not going to run block as much as they used to be. This is the usage that Derrick Henry should be getting all along, man. I did have to this week too. Colts a pretty really good run D too. So let's see if uh, I, I hope he, oh, yeah, I'd love to see it, man. I'd love to see. It. But Uncle Lenny, he could be a little better if he just fell oh, into man. a couple short goal line scores, you know. Which which I think yeah, Tampa Bay offense has got to be a lot better moving forward. Not only better, but hopefully a lot better once they get healthier. I mean, people keep saying Brady's checked out. I mean, he's is he? Do you? I mean, do you really think he's checked out? He looks as pissed off as ever to I me. Know. I mean, I guess he's taking Wednesdays off or whatever. But I don't know. I still think he'll get it together there once they get the, some healthier receivers. We, me, you, and uh, John, producer John, Lord Podcast, should have a conversation about Tom Brady and witchcraft after this show. I'm just going to put that oh, out there because I've got done and done. I've got some thoughts, but we'll we'll talk about it after the show, and maybe maybe if we come to a consensus, we can uh, we can we'll, maybe we'll talk about it on the preview show uh, tomorrow. So okay. thank God. Yeah, we'll, well let's move on to another running back here before we get into the witchcraft. Uh, Damian Pierce. I feel like Damian Pierce is one of these guys that as soon as he has this big game against the the Bears, we know the Bears stink as a run defense. Everybody wants to say he's like a sell high, right? Because he's still playing for the Texans. And as much as we were interested in Davis Mills and Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, like that passing offense has been junk so far. The team's not very good. They haven't won a game. We know that. But I feel like Damian Pierce's role is good enough that you should, if you have him, like if you drafted him, especially if you didn't draft him like at the peak of the hype, you probably should hang on to him. Four goal line rushes so far this year, 49% of the snaps, and we know that's trended up. He's still run only 29 routes to 60 for Rex Burkhead, but he's averaging three and a half yards after contact per carry. And the next six games for the Texans are pretty interesting. Get the Chargers this week. Chargers have not fixed their run defense. Brandon Staley, still trying to figure that out. Um, the Jags, they've emerged as a pretty good defense, but the Raiders, they just gave up that big game to Derrick Henry. Um, the Titans, I don't think the Titans are a great defense or anything like that. Um, the Eagles, that's a little bit tougher. But then the Giants as well. The Giants have been a bad rush defense. So I don't know, man. I feel like Damian Pierce is, if you're so spoiled with riches at the running back position, well, you know, good for you because most of us are not. I don't know. I have I have Damian Pierce on a couple of teams, and I feel like I'm I'd rather hang on to him than trade him high. Totally agree. I'm a fan. I, I like him. Uh, apparently, he had 50 carries in a high school game once. Uh, he's totally taken over this backfield. I know the snap share percentage may not look like it, and Burkhead will still come on him third downs. But Pierce has 35 carries to three over the last two games compared to Burkhead. Three goal line carries last week. Now, he did have two fumbles. You really don't like to see that, but he did not have a fumbling problem in college, and Lovey Smith unequivocally made it clear that he will not be punished for that moving forward, but you don't want to see another one. Um, he made yeah. two really nice plays as a receiver. I mean, they may not show up on the box score there, but um, from what I can gather, I think there's absolutely room for improvement there moving forward. And Burkhead's like 32 years old, and who knows how long he'll last. So, I, Davis Mills, I won't bore you again with the splits, but the guy Guy plays immeasurably better <laughs> at home. And look at this year, week one at home against the Colts, two touchdowns, zero picks. The last two weeks he's been dreadful have been on the road. And now he goes back home. So I like uh, Pierce as a borderline top 15 fantasy back this week in a game I expect to be far closer than the opening line. That line has shrunk, but as the opening line may suggest. But um, yeah, I'm really in on, on, on Damian Pierce. They beat the bricks off the Chargers last year too. 
uh, did the Houston Texans. So, and, and this is the Chargers team kind of limping into this game. So um, I do expect they're definitely not going to have Joey Bosa in this contest. And Bosa is a pretty good run defender, even if he's a better, obviously he's known for his pass rushing. So I feel like this is a good week for uh, old Damian Pierce there at home. Um, let's talk about some defensive matchups. Cause I, I think that really goes into the theme of, we know now who the, the good and bad defenses are at least to a point, obviously people can you know turn their season around, whatever, but we're starting to get a good idea of like matchups, right? So bottom five teams, in dropback success rate allowed cardinals falcons dolphins colts seahawks a few like as expected here but you know the first one that sticks out to me cardinals and falcons right like when we're talking about dj Moore, he gets the cardinals this week he still gets the falcons twice um so i feel like we're starting to get an idea of which teams are going to give it up through the air Yep, yep. Hopefully that's uh, definitely something to keep it on this week. I'm hoping uh hoping it's it's beneficial for DJ Moore uh, for sure. But uh yeah, you what do you have a favorite here? Uh success rate. Uh yeah, I've been uh implementing my writing far more the EPA per play. Um yeah. pretty I mean DVOA is more subjective people make, you know, grading themselves and whatnot. So do you have a do you have a preference between success rate to EPA per play? Uh I I, th- I like success rate a little bit better, but I think they're pretty close. Like the Cardinals are one of the bottom five teams in EPA per dropback allowed too. So it whatever you I think it's just an, it's an approximation, right? Like nobody's gonna be um, if you like EPA, that's great. If you I like success rate, that's great. Like it, it's it's all the same. You know, it, it's like close good enough. or bad. Yeah. Like yes, yeah, close gotcha. enough, right? Okay. Like let me tell you yeah. what the Cardinals are not gonna be thirty second in success rate allowed and be fifth in EPA per dropback allowed, right? Like yeah. garbage is For garbage. Sure. <laughs> for sure yeah and even across sites epa is a little bit different too i've noticed but i I've, I've totally been been using it for sure in my um in my my betting my setting my lineups my my analysis big time so uh, those are absolutely interesting you look at the success rate and you get you got to target the the cardinals pass defense right now looks like a big big weakness we knew that too matches the eyeball Ted. people said the cornerbacks are the shakiest in the league and they dealt with injuries so yeah it makes makes sense too i mean they look like one of the most vulnerable units in all of football Cardinals right now, too, their next three opponents, they get the Carolina Panthers, we've talked about, the Philadelphia Eagles, oh my god, that should be a print fest, uh, and then the Seattle Seahawks in week six, that's a good one, too. The the Falcons, looking at their upcoming opponents, the Cleveland Browns uh, this week, that's a great call. I know you talked about Amari Cooper for a video we shot earlier. Cooper has been cooking, man, and you know I've never been like the biggest Amari Cooper fan. I think he's still a volatile player, but this is the type of... Um, outing that you'd want to use Amari Cooper in an indoor situation against a bad pass defense. And if the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week five are closer to full strength, that's a good matchup for them too against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett is the minimum in uh, Yahoo DFS this week. He's been quietly successful. Uh, that's uh, Those two teams, I believe, the Falcons and Browns, are both in the top five and co- combined points uh, in their matchup. So there could be a lot of wow. points scored there. Mari Ma- Cooper, I was down uh, on him. But after a quiet week one, top five in target share, third in air yardage share. He led the league in air yardage last week. So, yeah, and you like the matchup here. So, um, yeah, yeah wheels up for the Browns passing attack. Njoku, what about Njoku? He was available in some waiver wires. Yeah. I went big to like extra because the tight end just looks like a jo- uh, no pun intended, a joke, but he he's getting a lot of targets there. It was just one week. Uh, it's definitely something to to pay attention to because if they treat him like his contract like the Jacksonville is Kirk, uh, he could be a top five uh, fantasy tight end. We, I made fun of uh, both of us for our rank you know, a couple weeks ago and now suddenly yeah. I'm like bidding on him. So it's, uh, things can change <laughs> so quickly. Yeah, well, it looks like a a bad call in week one, right? Like the use, of, the the targets weren't there, stuff like that. Um, but you know, so far this year, from a playing time standpoint, you know, he's been on the field for ninety percent of the snaps. David Njoku, you know, he's run a decent amount of routes so far. He's twenty point eight percent targets per route run too. So like when he's out there, when he's running routes, like he's getting the ball. So um, second on the team, uh, obviously in terms of targets, stuff like that. So I feel like it is kind of like. This is one thing, like, it would feel like an overreaction in week one when, you know, because it, and I think we need to talk about Jacoby Brissett too, because Jacoby Brissett, people think of guys like Jimmy G as like a game manager. Jimmy G is not a game manager, right? Like, he stepped out of the freaking end zone, okay? Like, so many, just turnover rate too. No, yeah, you got to have fewer turnovers to be a game manager, yeah. Exactly. He makes like back breaking mistakes. Um, you know, I said this to Andy on the pod, but hey, you know, it's still you, you know, no one knows what happened with Trey Lance Dalton, but you know, it did not get removed from the 49ers offense when Jimmy G got put in there. Back breaking mistakes and plays getting left on the field. That's the Jimmy G special, man. Um, but Jacoby Brissett 
does he might leave plays on the field, but he doesn't make mistakes. He is literally a game manager. And I feel like Kevin Stefanski, people kind of made fun of the Browns when it's like, oh, you're going to miss Watson for like more than half the damn season. And your plan is Jacoby Brissett. Well, Jacoby Brissett's like keeping the train on the tracks. Like he's that type of quarterback. He doesn't add much to the playbook, but Kevin Stefanski's got a great playbook, and we see the results for the Cleveland Browns so far, including that David Njoku has, I think, emerged as, like, I'm going to relook at my rest of the season rankings, and I feel like he needs to be, like, a top, now he needs to be back up at, like, tight end eight or something like that. I'd rather have David Njoku than Dawson Knox, to tell you that. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, Brissett has more rushing attempts this season than Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, Atlanta has allowed the 10th most fantasy points to uh, Does to he really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Murray is not Murray did not for the first time in his career didn't have a rushing attempt until the fourth quarter last week. I think wow. it was just one fewer rushing yard too, Brissett, than than Murray, who was, by the way, his YPA is even uglier than his rushing stats. I mean, yeah, 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 Mur- yeah bottom yeah, three yeah. there. So and, and now at well, he's at throwing Carolina, up, like dust. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Defend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we move on to these success and, and EPA per play rate stuff, one thing I like to point out is when people say you know run funnel or pass funnel, I love looking at teams that are extreme one way and then the opposite the other, like the Colts. Uh, they're allowing the fifth most EPA per pass play, uh, but their rush defense is top four. So. Will Derrick Henry get those targets this week? Will Traylon Burks actually have the coming out party like I predicted a week earlier? Um, but that would be a situation. Everybody in keeps which, saying it's coming. It's in coming. It's coming. <laughs> in which Tannehill should be forced to pass more if there ever is one. You know, it's against a team with top five run D, who may even get Leonard back, and bottom five pass D so far. I, I like looking at those the the, the most because a lot of this the middle stuff. You know, you're just whatever margin yeah. of error even. So, but with looking at at, at the stuff like this, I looking at the the outliers. Are there a couple other like funnel teams that you think are kind of emerging right now? Because I agree, the Colts honestly historically have been that unit too. Yeah, the Seahawks are a pretty good run D, and they're getting lit up too. So they're they're a good uh, pass funnel, and um, the the Rams are awesome, awesome run D, and quietly have been uh, seventh highest EPA yeah. per pass. So uh. that's a, that's a really good call about the Rams, um, and obviously they play the 49ers this week. We'll talk about that game um, on the preview show tomorrow. But Seahawks upcoming schedule. They get the Detroit Lions this week. They get the New Orleans Saints. Who knows what shape they'll be in. And then the Arizona Cardinals in week six. So, uh, yeah, they were definitely on, on my list here of bottom five success rate allowed. Um, let's talk Let's talk bottom five rushing success rate allowed uh, as well. Lions, Patriots, Falcons. <laughs> Falcons are in both bottom fives. Uh, the Bears and the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings being down here is the reason that I don't care who starts at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I think Chris Olave is going to crush it this week. I think you should try to find a way to get him in your starting lineup. And the Bears, like we've definitely seen them be an extremely friendly matchup um, for rushing attack so far. Uh, Saquon Barkley gets the Bears this week. Um, you know, even if we have questions about the offense overall, I feel like Barkley's still in a great position. Um, the the Vikings get them in Week Five. You know, Dalvin Cook maybe plays in that game, and then Washington Week Six. That actually might be. You know, that might be like the debut of uh, and I think it's on. Pri- yeah, it's on Prime uh, on, on Thursday night. That actually might be the debut of like Brian Robinson, potentially, if he's back. And if not, like Antonio Gibson has been dominating the backfield work for Washington so far. Looking at this Falcons matchup and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm in on Brissett and Amari Cooper, but it might just be another Nick Chubb going crazy against the bad uh, oh, rush yeah. defense also there, too. But indoors, and I do think the Falcons offense is uh, uh, pretty decent, too. So I think that could be more more points. But uh, yeah, the Falcons defense is not uh, it definitely looks like like a problem uh, there. By the way, the Browns has not been great defensively either. So, I mean, they're, they're third worst again this in, in rush uh, EPA per play and positive allowed uh, against the pass, too. So what was considered, you know, probably most people consider Browns to have a, 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 be- a good defense might be below average. So I like that matchup this week. That should be fun. And people will be won't be on that in fantasy. And like I said, Brissett is literally uh, the stone minimum in Yahoo. All right, last group of stats here, and this is going to help us transition into Thursday Night Football. Top 10 players, not just wide receivers, but at all position, that have run 40-plus routes. This is top 10 targets per route run. Brees Hall, number one. Jalen Waddell, Mandrews, Mark Andrews, but just going to call him Mandrews from now on because he is the the freaking man. Uh, Javante Williams, Drake London, 
Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyree Kill, CD Lamb, Austin Eckler. We mentioned he does have a great receiving role, I guess, at this point. And Deontay Johnson, the last one there. I wanted to ask you specifically of this group and if there's any others that stand out. Like I said, we'll talk to the Dolphins duo here in a second. Um, CeeDee Lamb, man, we didn't get a chance, obviously, to recap Monday Night Football with Eckler last week. He had probably one of the most, like, all-time tilting drops, right? Like, uh, if you if you had CD Lamb on your fantasy team and you watched him drop that, like this is what I talk about drops all the time. People have this like visceral reaction, you know, every knucklehead on Twitter. Then, I mean, just you're, you're out there embarrassing yourself. You're like CD lamb, not an alpha receiver. Cause he drops that one pass. Like I know he's not like produced up to standards or whatever, but come on, like have some self-respect, have some dignity out there. And then he comes back and has like a, the alpha of all alpha drives there for the Cowboys to, to win the game late in the fourth quarter. I feel great. I feel great about CD Lamb right now compared to where I felt coming out of week one with Dak Prescott hurt and obviously the terrible result against that admittedly awesome Bucks defense. Uh, totally down. Roller coaster of emotions with him. Uh, part of the thing is here we, we were concerned about Cooper Rush being a disaster and he has been anything but. So I don't think it's quite to the level of the controversy as Jerry Jones will have you believe, but he's been plenty Jerry, competent. Bro. And uh, yeah, what a horrible, horrible drop and then amazing touchdown catch. Um, and even this week at home against, uh, I mean, kind of a pass funnel Washington defense. They've uh, bottom eight in EPA per pa- pass, but pretty strong against the run so far. So I'm having CD Lamb as my wide receiver six. I mean, the target's yeah. 12, 11 and 11. So yeah, uh, or 11, 11 and 12. So a lot to like there. And I think he's going to finally start cashing in the, the air yards and whatnot and the touchdowns around the goal line. So uh, yeah, again, I went from, Super high to super down to now back being he's going to be just fine and settle in that five to 10 range from here on out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's been a roller coaster, but um, C. Lamb definitely, definitely feel really, really good. And Cooper Rush, I, again, I, I agree with you. It's probably not to the point of, um, uh, you know, a quarterback controversy or whatever Jerry wants to drum <laughs> up, but he has been good. He three and oh is a starter. He's just been he's been good, man. He's been a, he's a good backup quarterback um, and plays like within himself uh which we, we criticized baker mayfield for that earlier but like cooper rush knows what he is and plays within himself he's pretty accurate i mean his his ball placement to cd lamb his ball placement to like noah brown on some of these passes has been really impressive noah brown looks good too and Noah brown's like never been a productive player even in college was not like a that's why he wasn't drafted very high right because he went to ohio state like big time program but was never like a all-star college producer he's been like mostly a special teamer for dallas and you know, nobody wanted to believe that he was actually going to have a real role in the offense. But Jalen Tolbert got out there, I guess, finally in, in week three. <laughs> so he could have pulled down a that. long pass too. It, it was targeted. I know he was. Might not, you know. Yeah, tough scene for Jalen Tolbert, but they should get Michael Gallup back, too. So I think that's all good news for CeeDee Lamb. But let's transition into Thursday Night Football. I talked about it. Jalen Waddle, number two in targets per route run. Uh, Tyreek Hill also right up there in the top five. This game, Dolphins at Bengals. Bengals are four-point favorites. Over-under is 47. Um, Tua, it, it, I'm not a hun- we're not 100% sure as we're taping this whether he's going to play or not, but I feel like whether he plays or not, I'm still starting both Dolphins receivers. Oh, yeah, their target share. Uh, injuring last week, I think two, both of them, uh, Hill and Waddle, had a higher target rate than the leader of the past five years finished the season. So, yeah, it's just been the most concentrated tree ever. Tua looks awesome, getting 9.2 YPA. Can't wait to see these Cincinnati white uniforms. Looks like they're uh, going to unleash. So, yeah, this should be a fun game. I hope they're all healthy. And sometimes these Thursday night games, you know, you get cut off some offense because of lack of preparation and practice time. I'm convinced uh, DFS players were hurt last week with that heat in Miami. Just totally uh, stopped. Otherwise would have been a lot more points scored in that game but uh where, where do we start here uh yeah a lot, a lot of different uh a lot of different areas in this game but for a thursday nighter it's, it's on paper it looks super uh like one of the best possible of the year yeah i mean it looks absolutely great um I, producer john lord podcast put on the outline like are the 2022 dolphins sort of a mirror of the 2021 Bengals? which i think is actually an interesting question um because you know, for one, we've got, um, you know, a young quarterback. They're actually the same draft class to a Joe Burrow. But, you know, you put like an alpha level receiver in Jamar Chase uh, in with another alpha level receiver in T Higgins. And you get this unbelievable efficient passing attack for the Bengals last year that was just like 
deep strike after deep strike after deep strike to the point that yeah. I think they're actually kind of trying to they're kind of struggling a little bit to find like a second counter punch. They're getting a little they'll figure it out as as, as things go on. But I, I'll never forget this year when uh, Joe Burrow went to the sideline to Zach Taylor and like you could clearly tell him like stop running like stop running empty like we have to stop running these empty formations because we can't pass protect obviously the dolphins have kind of undergone the same sort of transition just with a veteran guy of one of the top five receivers in the game and tyree kill comes along and jalen waddle nothing has made me happier this year dalton than seeing jalen waddle taken out of that little like pop gun role he was in last year and like mike mcdaniel the boys just letting it rip with Jalen Waddle downfield. So I feel great about the Dolphins pass offense and Tua, I think deserves a lot of respect uh, at this point. Like he's been, he's been really good and like how good he is, whatever, like how, where he ends up ranking. Um, he's been a very good player so far. Yeah. I wish Waddle's uh, knee injury didn't scare me off a couple more of my teams. I would have, I have him in the one we're in together, by the way, in which you beat me by like 0. 0.0001 points. So yeah, that's right. Baby. On, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Waddle looks fantastic. And absolutely. I, mean, I think Waddle and Tyreek Hill, you absolutely have to project as both top 10 PPR receivers um, moving forward. Two has been amazing on third and fourth down in the fourth quarter and in the red zone, like all those stats, just crazy, crazy, impressive. Apparently put in a lot of work in the off season to strengthen his arm. And it's really um, shown up. I hope he's healthy. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was wild to see him return for the second half last week. But um, yeah, man, watching McDaniel thrive as a head coach, I'm, you know, a little jealous seeing him leave San Francisco and be among the league leaders in uh, pass rate over expectation. You know, it seems like he gets yeah. it. And um, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool to see. Can I can I say on the flip side? Uh, can I ask you why T Higgins and, and look, Jamar Chase, every single week on ECR, T. Higgins is a full 10 spots below Chase. In our Yahoo DFS, 33% cheaper salary. Here are some mm. stats for you when they have ran the same routes together throughout their career. T. Higgins, 15 more targets. T. Higgins, 170 more air yards. T. Higgins, 15 more PPR points. I, I don't. I, how many more weeks do I have to keep moving them up on the fantasy pros when I get the ECR back to back with Chase? I typically put them one spot ahead, especially this year with the cover two being implemented. All the more reason you should be more Higgins and less Chase. But I mean, if the stats just totally point that they're equal, if not Higgins slightly better, and yet again, Yahoo DFS Chase thirty one, Higgins twenty two. I, I explain wow, yeah, to me that's... why I'm why I'm off. What what am I missing here? Higgins I, last I, week should have had a touchdown too. He was down. He was in bounds there. I had them in Survivor. Yeah. Believe I was watching that. That was a touchdown <laughs> that was weirdly called not. I'm still. Un it's unclear why. That yeah, and for for the sake of um the coolness factor, like there's got that that should have been a touchdown just for the fact it looked unfreaking believable. That totally. catch from T Higgins. Give me a break. Um, I think you're, you're right. But I think th I guess the my theory on why people still have the gap between Chase and, and Higgins and you know on my redraft rankings like I had uh Jamar Chase I really wish I had had the stones to move Diggs to three and, and Chase to four. I think you actually did, if I remember. I had correctly. Diggs over Chase, yeah. I had over Shout out to you on that one. Um frankly, we should have had Diggs over Justin Jefferson as well, but that's another topic for another day. Uh I, I think that like I had I had Higgins at ten though. Like I, I, Higgins was a clear green light pick at his ADP because he's awesome. Like he's he's not he. I don't I don't think he's as good as Chase. I don't think he's as like, like dynamic as Chase. And I think that's probably the reason that the rankings are still right. there is because like Chase can be a slate breaker, where right, right. Higgins probably can't be. But to your point, with the way teams are playing the Bengals right now, they are like. Beg their teams are not the Jets. The Jets are one of the only teams that are still running, like not running those two high defenses, not running a ton of zone coverage, like backed up and, and too high safety, stuff like that. Teams that can like have receivers that have, can beat man coverage can just fillet the Jets just based on the way they call defense over there. And they never change again, topic for another day. But um, so throw that out. Like most other teams, though are begging the Bengals to like dink and dunk and dink and dunk and dink and dunk. And like, I think that the part of it is, a, is a burrow thing too. I think he always looks, he looks deep before he looks short. And I think another part of it is the play, the play calling and the play designing as well. But to, again, the, all that to say that the way you're right, that the way teams are playing the Bengals, it would lead you to say like Jamar chase, probably not going to have as many of those slate breaking uh, type of games as, um, as, and T. Higgins is probably going to be pretty close to him in terms of scoring. 
And I get it. You can cut to the game break and you see an 80 yard touchdown catch by Chase. Yeah. Like you said, you know, a DFS breaker, I, I, a slate breaker. I totally, totally hear that. But man, I just think that Higgins should be moved closer to Chase uh, on a weekly you. evaluation. So the Bengals are one of only three teams yet to surrender a touchdown in the second half. But DJ Reader is out and he's a, a pretty big loss on the defensive interior there. So hopefully a lot of points get scored here because this should be totally fun matchup. Yeah, Dolphins, like we talked about earlier, they're uh, third to last in uh, dropback success rate allowed. So the Bengals should um, sh- should should be, uh, you know, a, a, this should be a good spot for their receivers, everything like that. Um, let's talk about the the running backs here, too. Oh, well, let's start with Miami. Like, do you have any? Oh, by the way, breaking news as we are recording this. Um, Brandon Staley announced that Joey Bosa, who we talked about earlier, is going to have surgery and be placed on injured reserve, should be back later in the season. We kind of expected that to be the case. But, um, yeah, there we go. Um, the, what was I going to say? The, the running backs here, Miami, uh, Miami running backs. Do you have any confidence in like picking between these two guys? Because I'll tell you what, I don't after last week. No, I think both need to be on fantasy benches. Um, the last two weeks, the rush share has been 63% Mostert, and he has a higher route involvement rate, too, than Edmonds, higher snap share rate, too, the last two weeks. So, I mean, Mostert's been closer to the lead back there than Edmonds has since week one, but I wouldn't use uh, either either of them. And conversely, man, what a concerning start for Joe Mixon, and now he's facing a Dolphins team who's uh, been one of the better run defenses to open the year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not as concerned about Joe Mixon maybe okay. maybe as you are. I get it. He hasn't really hit home in fantasy yet. He's the RB16 overall right now. Uh, but he hasn't scored touchdowns, right? Like he has he's averaging 2.8 yards per carry. That's for sure. But from a receiving standpoint, this is the one thing I know I complained about with Joe Mixon coming into this year and why he made me a little nervous was that his receiving usage might not be great. He has six, he has 19 targets, 16 catches on the year. He's fourth at the running back position in terms of receiving yards. He's behind Austin Eckler, who I said is like lapping the field. Then CEH, I don't expect that to hold because he only has 12 catches. Naheem Hines and J.D. McKissick and then Joe Mixon. Um, is number five there in terms of uh, yards, like I said, at the running back position. So I feel like Joe Mixon is going to have an eruption game. Not maybe not an eruption game, but like the type of game where he he normalizes where his opportunity to his fantasy scoring at some point. Totally fair, and the targets have, have certainly been nice. I will note that he's dealing with a, a sore ankle. He barely yep. played in the fourth quarter. P. Ryan played 100% of the snaps, and now it's a short week against a tough matchup. Uh, but absolutely, the, the, the Bengals offense could turn it on down the stretch, and he could be a fantasy monster that's definitely within his range of outcomes. Anything else from this game? I mean, Mike Gusecki went back to not having much uh, involvement in week three, which is, you know, slightly disappointing, but I feel like that's going to be kind of be the case all year. And Tyler Boyd did have a big blow up game. Uh, Tyler Boyd talk about a guy who never gets mentioned when we talk about the Bengals offense. Um, But he certainly has like, you know, if you're playing DFS, like certainly think about Tyler Boyd uh, if you're doing single game stuff. But for the most part, yeah, I think it's kind of like play. These two offenses are definitely like play the hits offenses at this point. Yep, totally. Yeah, that was a nice catch and run by Boyd, too. It was, yeah, showed, showed some speed. But uh, yeah, hopefully um, hopefully this turns into a, an offensive battle with a lot of points. Um, yeah, hopefully they can protect Joe Burrow. And uh, it's a good point that he they had some success against the Jets defense. You know, it's a little different. So let's see. Uh, let's see what happens this week when he's not facing uh, that that scheme that suits him so well. Yeah, I mean, the Jets, man, they're just they're be- like the the Bills always crush the Jets, too, for the same reason. I know this is slightly off topic, but now I'm just looking at the Jets like next few. They get the they get the Steelers this week. We'll see if Bo Mitch Trubisky, they, they've got receivers that can beat man coverage. And then the Dolphins, Packers, Broncos for the Jets. So that is interesting. All right, Dalton. That's going to do it for us. Uh, you can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following the at Yahoo Fantasy account. If you like the show, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. It would super uh, be super helpful for us. It would be awesome if you could help out the show like that and support the show. If you don't like it and you don't like it because of me, Remember, you just tweet at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and you let me know how much you don't like me. And then we agree to disagree. We move on because not everybody's for everybody. Dalton is going to be back, thank God, with me on the preview show to talk about the rest of the week four games tomorrow. Until then, we're out.